Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Episode, I believe it's 149. I have 148, but I'm pretty sure the last one was 148. So I'm going to say 149, and we're going to roll with it. And if I'm wrong, just ignore it. Um, I am Nick. You can follow me on National Ace. Follow me on National Ace. Follow me on Twitter at National Ace. Follow Amanda at a 7877 Ryan at We Are All Shack. The show at Half Street High Heat. Uh, oh, God. Do you guys hear that? No. Oh, I, don't hear I, I heard it. It was weird. Yeah, my <laughs> audio just glitched. So I apologize if oh. you guys heard that. I'll try to edit it out. Um, the Nats are not doing well. Neither apparently is my audio. But how are you guys doing? <laughs> Better than the Nats bullpen, but not as well as the Nats tank. <laughs> that's a fair point i mean somewhere in between there is like you know a happy operating space right exactly right yeah. ryan what about you i mean things are great the weather is this is like fake fall number two mm-hmm. um <laughs> false so, autumn yeah yeah so like the weather's really nice i'm going to the nats game tonight oh, um nice. I'm not getting the bobblehead. I was going to say, you're going to get your million bobbleheads. <laughs> apparently there was some like hurricane that like went through half the country and like the shipment didn't get here. Seems a little sketch, but I'll joke. So if in the path, I, I do. I do hope if anyone's in the path, everyone is okay. Um, but yeah, no bobblehead, but the weather is divine out there. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. It could not be better weather for I mean, baseball i absolutely love this we never this is definitely false autumn this this won't last we'll still have some like horrible human we'll, we'll get that 90 degree weather soon. Mm-hmm. it'll come back but i love this weather and we usually only get two weeks of it in the spring or so and two weeks in the fall so enjoy it while it lasts yeah if uh, hurricanes do have one thing they do have the nerve to uh, cancel <laughs> bobblehead so uh, i'm mm-hmm. sorry for your loss there ryan but you're gonna get a, a voucher, one. right? Aren't they giving out vouchers so you can? Yeah, but then like I love I how they said you can back. come pick it up, and I'm like, when? When we're there in October? For what? When are we gonna be at the ballpark? Well, technically, we do have a series in October, so. True. True. And the Red Sox are coming down then. Yeah, so we will series. have October baseball in DC. Round of applause. <laughs> technically uh, true. Yeah. Exactly. Like the the Twitter, account. I know I'm sure Ryan hates it because Ryan hates all these bits. But the the true I guess Twitter account that's running around, have you guys seen that? Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I actually love that. It cracks me up. It it just seems like one of those accounts that goes against everything Ryan stands for. And they were a spinoff of another one. <laughs> what was the other like uh, knockoffs? Like the best knockoffs of things. Uh, I don't know I if you follow that one. one. I can't remember the exact handle, but there's one where it's just like hilarious 
like you oh know, i know what you're talking about of things yeah. yeah yeah it's kind of like instead of fruit loops it's fruit o's like something right those kinds of that. things there yeah. was one i saw the other day that i loved it it was uh like it looked like snoopy from the peanuts and right. it was sneepy and it had great big letters <laughs> across the front that said definitely not snoopy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta I respect admire. the hustle. You gotta make that money. <laughs> make that money. Speaking of making money, a lot of teams are definitely in contention for World Series and all the bonuses that obviously come with it. But what team currently out of the playoff race do you think has the best shot to go mm. on a run? The Padres. Good question. <laughs> Amanda's just like, I'm gonna slip my answer in right there. I'm not getting cut well, like- again. <laughs> <laughs> I know Ryan always picks the same thing, and then he's like, "You weren't going to say that. You're copying." <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't going to the Padres because, like, I don't even count them. They're only half a game out of the wild card, so like, that's essentially tied. But like, you know what I mean? So like, that's only why I wouldn't count the Padres. Mm-hmm. I understand, but w- yeah. who would you go? Um, so like looking at the American League, the Blue Jays and the A's are the only other teams that can make a run on the outside end. I don't think they can overcome. It. Um, the Red Sox do have a lot of COVID issues right now, but I don't think the Blue Jays and A's have enough. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say the Phillies, but they're two games back and they have the, one of like the three easiest schedules left in baseball. And like, I don't want to say the Phillies. So I'm going to go bold and I'm going my Blue Jays overcome two monsters and wow. uh, somehow make the playoffs. They're five games back, but like old one. But five games isn't that much. Yeah, there's. I mean, the Red Sox have blown a bigger September lead before, so like anything happened. You don't think the Mets are going to make a run back at it? No, the Mets suck. (laughs) Unless, unless, uh, isn't this like a five game series this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unless they take all five games, like which is pretty possible. Right. I was going to say that's not really (laughs) outside the realm possibility. But yeah, watching the Mets collapse has been like the most enjoyable thing for me since the Nats have been so terrible. Watching that, yeah, watching suffering of Mets fans is brings me great joy. Yeah, uh, I was gonna go Blue Jays, but just to to switch it up, I'll, I'll just highlight the A's since that's kind of like the one best chance team we haven't talked about. They're only two games back of the um wild card, but they're also only what three and a half back of their division behind the Astros, and the Astros seem legitimate, so that might be a tougher. Uh, you know, tougher get four and a half. Sorry, tougher get for the division because it seems like anytime they go to head to head, the Astros always get like two of three, or basically the, the at or the uh, A's can't do what they need to do to really get over the hump. It's yeah. just like you know they, they drop a game in, in the standings, and it's just they're they're always around, but they can't really uh, you know steal a game here or steal a series there, and they have some injuries right now and. Obviously, we know they're uh, in indecision to spend. They're kind of like the the Rays before the Rays and money balling. Right, the OG yeah, Rays. Obviously. Uh, but they do have playoff experience. So they've typically been a perennial playoff team for the past couple of years. They haven't done very much, gone very far. I would attribute that to the lack of big name free agent signings and moves because it seems like they – are truly the uh, we believe in the guys we have back of the baseball card type bunch. And that's not really <laughs> the method for success, but uh, they definitely can get there. I don't think anyone would be surprised if they got there. Uh, it's just a matter of, can they, you know, go on a short run here? If the Red Sox falter, then maybe they slip into the wild card spot and they've been in the wild card game before. So 
they do have experience, like I said, and they could possibly go on a run. Is it likely? No, but they do have experience and experience plays well in October. Yeah, that is an excellent point. What other experience we're going to talk about is Ryan's experience. Uh, Breaking it down for us, recapping on what's going on around the league. Ryan, take it away. Yeah, so we are in September and things are starting to heat up. MLB proposed a new free agency age for all players at the age of 29. The union did not respond to this very well. And the two first proposals from the owners have not been met in good light by the players. It's going to be a very long offseason. ESPN is reporting that Trevor Bauer is facing up to a two-year suspension with a likely guarantee of a one-year suspension. This is according to many front office executives and many around the game believe that he has thrown his last pitch ever. New York Yankees announcer John Sterling was pulled from a flooding car by fellow broadcaster as New York was hit by the hurricane over the week. We have some fantastic divisional races, two to be exact. For the first time since April 25th, the Dodgers are in first place. They are tied with the Giants as the two face off in a pivotal three-game set to help decide the West. All three games will be nationally televised. Looking at the wild card spots, Oakland is looking to take advantage of the Red Sox COVID issues as they are only two games back of the second spot. Seattle is somehow four games back with one month to go. In the NL, San Diego is half a game back of the Reds, and the Phillies are two games back with St. Louis right behind them as well. To the NL East, the Braves look like the Braves look like they were going to run away with the East, but instead the Dodgers and the Dodgers swept the Braves, and then the Phillies swept the Nats, and they're just two games back with one month left. In last place are the 55 and 79 Marlins. They lost a two-game set to the Mets. Up next are the Phillies. In fourth place are the 55 and 75 Nats. They need to win just eight games to avoid 100 losses this season. In third place are the 66 and 67 Mets. They are five games back. They just claimed Brad Hand, LOL. Their GM was arrested for DUI. He pleaded not guilty to the DUI and three other separate charges. He was put on administrative leave, and he is due in in court on October 7th. The Mets are baseball's continuous best soap opera. In second place are the 69 and 64 Phillies. They swept the Nats this weekend and have the Marlins up next. They have scored seven or more runs in seven straight games, which is baseball's best streak since the 1930s. The Phillies have one of baseball's five easiest schedules the rest of the month as they try to finish above 500 and make the playoffs for the first time in a decade. In first are the 71 and 62 Braves. After being swept by the Dodgers, they have the Rockies. Their schedule does get easier before they have to play the Giants and Padres again. This has been your week in review. Make sure you guys head on over to T Public and search Half Street High Heat for all of our latest, latest merchandises. There's also a save for sale for Labor Day weekend. Make sure you guys get on in on in on that because who doesn't love a good sale? This has been your week in review. I mean, the last yeah. sale uh, that happened was the sale at the deadline, and I liked that quite a bit. So that, that's quite sage advice there, Ryan. Um, it, it was pretty funny, funny in, you know, not to, to be mean, but it was funny to see Brad hand released. Um, uh, I, but I also admire the blue Jays for just saying, Hey, it's not working out cutting our losses. Like they, I don't know who their GM is, but it, it's pretty big of him to just admit a failure and move on rather than trying to be like, no, 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 wait, give it a chance, turn it around or all this stuff. Like he had, I think seven appearances uh, for the blue Jays. Granted, none of them were good, but to, to cut ties that quickly after a, a move 
uh, in theory, to strengthen your bullpen going into a playoff push, uh, and then obviously to cut him before the season's even over is pretty uh, pretty bold and, and a yeah. strong statement by the Blue well, Jays. Right. And then obviously the Mets getting him is just like full circle. It's like, <laughs> you know, Bob Nightingale or whoever tweeted it so back bad. in uh, January or whenever it was. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I was shocked to I guess I'm shocked by the fall on Brad Hand. Like I know he was, you know, one of those guys you could see maybe having a regression this year, but it's been it's been tough and unexpectedly. So I didn't think he would be this bad. And I, I am sort of surprised that the Blue Jays were willing to just say, OK, yeah, we traded somebody away for him, but we're just not even going to you know, let it play out. He said it's it's bold. And if they really mm-hmm. have designs on a playoff spot, you know, you can't keep a liability like that in your bullpen and taking up a spot on your roster. So I respect the move, but I'm definitely surprised by it. Yeah. Um, but just a, a, since Ryan brought it up, uh, Colt put, posted an article this morning about the Dodgers Giants series. And then CK is going to have one a little bit later today. I believe it's Padres Cardinals for this weekend series. So two series with playoff implications that, uh, you know, you can catch up on. We're expanding our writing a little bit to cover more MLB uh, because obviously the Nats will not be playing significant October baseball. We do have an October series, like we pointed out, but uh, uh, doesn't mean you can't be invested or interested in what's going on around the league. So definitely keep an eye out for those coming out today. But like I said, the Nats have not been playing inspiring baseball as of late. Uh, there was plenty of opportunities, has been plenty of opportunity to play spoiler. They have done the exact opposite and been uh, a big cushion to their opponents in their uh, opponents' playoff hopes. They're basically the Orioles at this point. Yeah. Recently, the Phillies uh, got back on track after sweeping the Nats. Um, obviously, the, this is coming out on Friday. It seems like always the, the Wednesday game gets rained out. I feel like this has happened to us multiple times in the past, like two months, but anyways, the, the Phillies finished off the sweep yesterday uh, at one. They came back from a six zero deficit, truly inspiring performance as far as tanking goes, because yeah. that's are just finding new ways to lose. And it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's truly a remarkable thing that, you know, they are competitive, they're scrappy, but Hey, the, the final result is helping them. So Always to speak, I, I know not right. everyone's a fan of, of the tank, but th- that's what they're doing. But, uh, what are you guys takeaways from the series? Well, um, yeah, it was hard to watch. I mean, especially yesterday, that's being up six, nothing. And then losing the game is always tough to take, even if, you know, we've said over and over again, wins and losses don't matter at this point, but uh, you know, you, you subscribed it as not inspiring baseball. And I guess it depends on what inspires you. If the tank inspires you, it's quite inspiring indeed. Um, the bullpen has just been absolutely dreadful, but as you pointed out, scrappy is a good word. These guys, they play the the offense has been better in a lot. Has it been better? I have to look at like, you know, yes, it is. That's it's better than, than it was before the deadline. Right. Mm-hmm. I always feel like they're scoring more runs. It's just that the pitching is so awful. So, I mean, obviously that's where the biggest weakness of the team is right now, but you know, it really doesn't matter. We're still getting a good look at a lot of guys. I'm Still, I mean, we'll talk about Robles in a little while. I think that gives you an indication that the Nats are taking this tank, very not tank, this rebuild, I should say, very seriously. That was kind of a shocking move to me. And I think that 
we've seen better offense since the trade deadline, largely because they're letting guys play that maybe wouldn't otherwise have had a chance to play. And I think that includes, you know, Thomas. Yeah, I mean, the team is basically a bunch of single merchants right now, which is fine. Um, it's not going to win you many games, but like your offense numbers are going to look fine. Like you said, the pitching stinks. Um, Gray had his worst start of this with the Nats. He gave up six runs in his defense. Yadiel Hernandez misplayed a very easy ball and then was very oh, lost. So bad. May have been the so worst bad. defense I've ever seen. So <laughs> bad. Josh Bell was legitimately like 10 times better in left field than Yadiel is. It was. Oh. Yeah, it was so bad. And so like yeah. he gave a three runs on that, three to six. He <laughs> he jumped above the ball. Like his glove was like at the top of the wall and the ball landed at the bottom of it. And then he was facing center field when the ball was near the line. Mm-hmm. It was ugly. Did not help at all. <laughs> Corbin struggled again, which isn't much a surprise. And then now with the big question is Corbin is, do you think he can rebound? That's a very interesting question. So when you look at his pitches, his slider is back, right? The beginning of the season, he was struggling because his slider sucked, but now it's back. Um, his He's averaged doing it 80.5 miles per hour. That's where it should be. Guys are hitting just 206 against it and slugging below 400. He also has a 38.8 width percentage off it. That's good. The problem is he's throwing his fastball in a sinker more than he has basically any point in his career. His fastball, guys are hitting 330 against it with a 550 slugging. His whiff percentage is only 12, and he's only throwing at 92 miles per hour. Then you look at his sinker, also 92 miles per hour. Guys are hanging 300 with a 540 slugging against it. Um, he doesn't throw his changeup a lot, but guys are slugging 800 against it, and guys are slugging 2200. Why he doesn't throw it a lot? <laughs> <laughs> and guys are slugging 2200 against his curveball. He's a one-pitch pitcher right now, and that's not going to play because guys are basically going to know if it's a slider, don't swing at it. His whiff percentage is great, 38.8%. That's fantastic. The problem is guys are just going to start sitting four seam and sinker like we are seeing on them, seeing and they're teeing off on him. And it's rather unfortunate. I don't know. I I genuinely don't know. Like he's going to have to get more velocity or more break on his other pitches in order to bounce back next year. And I don't know if he can do that. Like he may be painting out just to be a reliever. The problem is Nats aren't going to do that because how much money they have in, in him and like where they are, they're just going to keep running out. I just don't have faith that he's going to be able to turn it around. Just looking at like the breakdown of his pitches. I, I don't have faith. I guess I just can't figure out why it used to be that his fastball it worked well enough to make the off-speed pitches work. I mean, that slider, those numbers are terrific, but off-speed only works if your fastball is good. And his fastball isn't good right now. And I, I get, I just can't figure out, I still can't figure out why he couldn't find the slider earlier in the season. And I'm glad it's back, but now I can't figure out why he can't, he can't find the fastball and make it as effective as it used to be. It's so frustrating. Yeah. As far as our faith in him uh, being able to regain some sort of uh, ability or sustainability, however you want to phrase it, if he can not be a liability, if you, that, right. that's a pretty good. Uh, My standards are lower. Even just yeah. not a liability would be good. Uh, but yeah, not a liability. If his contract can, his contract is going to be an albatross uh, at this point. But if he can not be a liability, if he can find some way to provide something, uh, then obviously you will take it. But I don't have a lot of faith in him to do so because, like Ryan said, he's a one pitch pitcher, and that's really what he's been. He's been. Uh, 
just heavily reliant on his slider. And like Matt Weirich pointed out last week on, on the show, the Nats felt comfortable enough giving him the six years because of the slider, right? The slider was never supposed to be like a 95 mile an hour slider, like Jacob deGrom or something like that. It just had so much spin and was such an effective pitch that it shouldn't um, necessarily decline all that much. And it should still be effective, even though Patrick Corbin will be what 36 by the end of his contract or whatever. Um, But the fact that that's it, and guys are just laying off of it and then teeing off on literally every single other pitch. I've seen not the most inspiring result and doesn't uh, uh, invoke the most confidence in Patrick Corbin's uh, future and his ability. He's literally the the worst starter in the league right now. Um, it's, it's not pretty. It's not even due to injury. It's straight up performance. He has like a six two six ERA. It's ugly, crazy to think that he would be uh, our worst starter. Obviously, we kind of saw some signs of regression after last year, but we're certainly all hoping that it was just due to the wacky COVID year and the and the shortened season and, and the quick ramp up. We hoped that he would be able to gain us for him with some sort of uh, some semblance of a normal season this year, and it has just not gone his way. <clears throat> He's kind of had some. Uh, ebbs and flows to his career throughout the years anyways. Uh, but this is definitely his worst year. Hopefully he can get it back, but I'm not all that uh, uh, hopeful and I'm not going to hold my breath. I, I think our faith should be in other guys like Josiah Gray, for example, he struggled uh, the, the start too. It was really, it was his worst start as, as a national for sure. He could have had better defense behind him and lessened the damage, but he still went, did he go four or five? Does anyone remember? I think it was four. Yeah, I think oh, I, I can't remember. I was going to say five. I could be wrong. Uh, you can look it yeah, up. I can't. I know his last inning was solid. It was the point I'm trying to make. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was four or five, but even after he gave up those, those, I think it was six runs uh, through four innings. So I don't know if he finished the fourth or, or finished the fifth, but it was six runs through four innings. He still finished strong and he still bounced back. And we see these starts from starters all the time. I mean, think back like a month ago to, uh, well, now a little bit more than a month ago. I can't believe it's September, but Max Scherzer start in San Diego where he's given up grand slams to relief pitchers in their first career at bats. Like pitchers have these bad starts. It's not indicative of their season success or their career or anything like that. So I'm not overly concerned because uh, Josiah has always uh, in this small sample size that we've had him so far, but he's always seemed very poised and mm-hmm. uh, you know, doesn't seem like this will affect him long-term. Obviously that remains to be seen. We still have a couple more of his starts uh, this season, but I, I have faith in him. And I think that's where Nats fans should have their faith is in these young guys. Cause obviously the young guys are going to be the uh, determining factor for when or if, we're competitive again anytime soon. So that that's kind of where I'm at. But another young guy I wanted to bring up because he, he's been, uh, you know, someone I think everyone has liked and rooted for, not that we root against any of our prospects, but we, we haven't seen the, uh, the, the mean spirited takes about him. Like we saw in Carter Keboom or some of the other prospects, but that's Luis Garcia. If you look at Luis Garcia's numbers, he, 
it just does not seem like he's ready. Not good. And, and, and it's not like uh, he's holding this team back. This team's not going anywhere currently as is. So we can let him play and let it figure it out. But we haven't even seen like one really inspiring stretch from him so far this year. And we're quickly getting up to a respectable sample size where we can form an opinion on him, at least as far as 2021 goes. Obviously, an offseason can change a lot for, for players and teams and whatnot. But are, are we so certain that Luis Garcia has a starting spot or just a spot on the major league roster next year? So this season, Garcia is slashing 212, 262, 348. That is not good. And then also has a 63 WRC plus league average is 100. Um, he's not ready offensively. Like he's made a couple of nice plays defensively. He let that ball go between his legs against the Phillies. He's best described as growing pains. He's not ready offensively. I think it's kind of, you know, prove that um, he's 267 at bats. That's a small, well, not small. Like it's a decent sample size, but it's still a young point in his career. He's not ready. He struggled in a lot of those. He's looked overwhelmed at times. Um, I don't think he's a lock to make the big league roster next season. I think he raises a lot of questions for this team. Um, I think they are best served with him starting off in the minor leagues next season. It's just going to get very interesting with him and Kibum because Kibum is, he, he took a step forward offensively, which is great. He took a massive step backwards defensively. So now the Nats have a question is, is Garcia ready? Will he pan out? Is Cardi Kibum even a defensive third baseman? So they have two big questions there now. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Luis Garcia makes a big league roster next year to answer your question in a, a long way. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I certainly wouldn't call him a lock. I, I mean, I suppose there's a month left of the season. Maybe he could, you know, show some big improvement or something, but that's not, that doesn't seem to be in the cards given what we've seen from him so far. So uh, my hope is that they're going to pick up you know, a big bat, hopefully a big infield bat in the off season, because even though next year is not likely to be a competitive year, the, it looks like a much better year, this upcoming off season to pick up, uh, you know, a good infielder than it does the following year in free agency. So, you know, you've got Keyboom and Garcia and hopefully somebody else that they pick up. I mean, Garcia is the obvious choice to be the odd man out there and be back down in the minors. Although again, Keyboom is not exactly somebody you want to make your plans around. He's looked better of late, but he's not reliably somebody that you could say, okay, this is our, this is our future third baseman. So there's a lot of question marks around both of those guys, but I, I think Ryan, I think you're dead on. He's just, he just doesn't seem ready to be in the show, which is fine. He's still really young and in a different season where the Nats were competitive, he wouldn't be here anyway. So him not being ready is, is fine. And him getting all this big league experience is only, only a good thing. Right. Like it, it, we're not trying to say he'll never pan out. It's just right. <clears throat> as far as 2022 goes, at least at the start of the season, uh, I think everyone for the most part was kind of penciling him in uh, some to a starting lineup, if not on the major league roster. And, if it was a bench spot, that'd be fine because that's still experience. I wouldn't love it because I would rather him get yeah. playing time stay every down day. And play every day, uh, yeah. right? But if that's the direction the Nats chose, I mean, he still gets to grow with the team and doesn't have to feel like the odd man out or anything like that. There's pros and cons to it. Um, I just don't think we can necessarily pencil him in as specifically a starter right now. Um, but Amanda, to your point, you you brought up a great point. The Nats definitely need an infielder 
this off season, whether Third hopefully it's a building, yeah. hopefully it's a building block, but at the very least they need something sustainable for at least two years, if not three. Um, but realistically, if we're talking about this uh, with Garcia, you're going to need two middle infielders mm-hmm. because the Nats don't have anyone to play second base either. We're not relying on Adrian Sanchez and we don't have anyone else. I don't think, I mean, you're not bringing Jordy Mercer back. I, I don't even, I can't even think of another second base option we have. So you're, you're going to need a shortstop. I'll see this Escobar is uh, on expiring contract as well. I should mention that, but you're going to need a shortstop and a second baseman. And it's just like, one of those is absolutely going to be a flyer, if not both. And at that point, it, it, it's just hard to tell what the Nets are going to do because obviously there's so many holes and we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but I just don't necessarily want to rush Garcia. But then again, if we're not playing for anything as uh, we see in 2021, it's not the worst thing in the world to just let him get experience and work through the work through those you growing see pains. Big league pitching. And yeah, but we saw with, uh, Carter Keeboom, be, him being sent down and with AAA for an extended period of time seems to have helped him a lot. And he's not mm-hmm. like a world beater right now, but he's definitely been solid and not a liability as he was before. Absolutely could improve defensively, but offensively he, he's fine. And that that's a welcome sight to see someone who was not fine offensively. And it was a struggle to watch was obviously Victor Robles. I have talked about him a lot. He's been, uh, you know, in my crosshairs for several years now. And it finally came to a head this week as he was sent down. And this was, was really surprising to me. Um, I talked about how the blue Jays kind of swallowed their pride and, and with releasing Brad hand after only a couple of appearances, Mike Rizzo has famously uh, not included Victor Robles in trades and, and missed out on so- opportunities. And that's not the point I'm trying to make. It's just that he was here to be a building block for the future. He was part of the World Series team and all this stuff. He's still very young. But to send him down, especially this season when we're not playing for anything currently, was really surprising. And I don't think it's the worst move, but I respect it. It was a move that needed to be done, and he needs to to work through these things. Like we, it seems like every other week we hear Davey saying, Oh, I need to have a conversation with Robles about base running about something offensively about something defensively. Oh, Robles is hurt or sick or like, there's always something going on. So I didn't think this is the worst move in the world, but definitely surprising. What do you guys think? It was I think it's, see, yeah, I, I, I disagree. I don't really think it's shocking or surprising. Like, the writing has been on the wall about Robles for quite some time. We wrote about it, um, been tweeting about it for a while. There's always something with him, but the Nats never went into a lot of detail. It was, oh, he rolled his ankle. Oh, he's not feeling very well. And then he would just not play for a long period of time. The Nats realized that he just didn't have it offensively and he wasn't gaining anything by being up. He is overmatched by big league pitching. He's been overmatched the majority of his career. 2019, he was just below league average hitter, but that's the best he's been. He has been well, well overmatched the last two years, and he wasn't gaining anything from being up. He needed to go down, and he needed to refigure things out and see AAA pitching. Like, having him up wasn't going to do him anything because he can't hit a major league fastball. You know what I mean? Like, he was getting blown by, like, 93 right down the middle. It wasn't gaining anything. Um, The Nats have kind of been, like, not saying it, but been saying it, that 
basically he's not guaranteed to be the center fielder of the future anymore. The writing has been on the wall. I'm not surprised. And now they can like guys like Wayne Thomas, Yadel Hernandez play a lot more and figure out what they have in them because they know what they have in Robles. They know he's a great defensive center fielder. He can't hit for shit. And like, that's an absolute issue. Like he's good. He's good defensively. That's fine. Like being a defensive plus center fielder is fine, but that doesn't get you to be a starter. You know what I mean? So now he has to go back down AAA, figure out the tools, figure out what's wrong, help clear his head. Cause you know, he was supposed to be this five tool prospect. He was the number four prospect in baseball up there with Vlad jr. And Tatis jr. Those two are superstars. Robles isn't like baseball is hard. Prospects don't pan out a lot and it sucks, but him going down is hundred percent the right move. And now the Nats have a big question to answer in Sarahfield. Well, I agree with everything you just said, except for the part about it not being surprising. Um, I think it's the I think it's a the right move, especially in a year where you're trying to let you know your your newer, younger players play and figure out what you have. Exactly as you said, Ryan, we know what we have in Robles at this point. But um, this is the same team that kept you know Michael A. Taylor around for a long, 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 long time. Even though every year it seemed like they were saying this is going to be his final chance to prove he can hit. You know, and, and they just kept him around anyway. So I'm surprised that they sent Robles down. I I hope he can figure it out. He is still young, but to me that the age is deceiving because at that age you think of a guy who's you know just getting started in the big leagues. He's been around a while, and uh, it is very disappointing because of what the expectations were for him. But I hope he can go down to AAA and find something. But I, I think he's likely to wind up somewhere, probably not on the Nats eventually, that he's going to be a bench piece who's a defensive replacement in center field. I just, I don't, I haven't seen anything from him that makes you think he can be a good enough hitter to be a starter on a major league team. Yeah. Like I, I saw the comps to Byron Buxton and that that's, uh, a good comp as far as like where Victor Robles is at right now. Cause Byron Buxton, uh, the twins kept trying to call him up, kept trying to call him up and he just couldn't stick. He just wasn't good offensively. He's always been great defensively and been very quick, similar to Robles, obviously, but just couldn't get it to work offensively. And all of a sudden it just clicked. And now they're talking about a major long-term extension for him. And granted he's performed at a very, very high level. Uh, he's been banged up some, but, performing at a very high level. So Robles would need to take a huge step yeah. forward. I'd love to uh, see it, to, but to I be, don't expect it. <laughs> yeah, to be Byron Buxton level. But that that comp was only made to say that everyone develops at a different time and Robles is still very young. And I acknowledge that it's just, it's a tough selling point when you have three years of Victor Robles as an everyday player. And like Ryan said, the best he's ever been offensively is a below average hitter. And even defensively, I, I think in um, 2019, he had like 20 defensive, 27 defensive runs saved, something like that. And this year, I think he has, I think he has zero, if I'm not mistaken. Really? So, That's so and not that defensive run saves are, are everything. Defensive metrics are, are kind of iffy, depending on what you look at anyways. But it, his defense, while still elite, is not uh you know maybe as great as some people might think i guess is what i'm trying to say like still very good and still top tier not trying to take too much away from him big step back this year for him right right so i'm not trying to take too much away from him because he still is a a top tier defender and will have a spot in ball clubs but i agree with both you guys it's not necessarily a starter so it's just a matter of how long do the nats kind of um 
you know, hold on to them because yeah, they're, they're not competitive right now. So they have some room to, to let him figure it out in, in some regard. But at the same time, if we find ourselves semi-competitive, like, like the Mariners this year, the Mariners, I'm sure did not expect to be where they are. And we're in September now and they're what four games back of a wild card. I, I think if we get to that point, you have to seriously make uh, the consideration that Robles just, you need to ship him off and try to get something that can help you now. And I bring up this point often because I know the Nats are going to want to compete before Robles or sorry, before Soto hits free agency. I don't know if they can, there's just so much that needs to be done, but I know they want to. So if they find themselves playing above expectations at any time during 2022, then it might force their hand to be like, all right, we need something now and not necessarily a rental, but um, someone like, uh, you know, I've been claiming for Whit Merrifield for years, but someone with a little bit of control to, to help them win now before Soto leaves. So they can prove to Soto saying like, hey, we win here. You should stay here. It's not just going to be like a one-time thing that happens once every hundred years or something like that. So it, it is um, a, a very big question to to see answered. I don't know if we're going to see an answer anytime soon, but definitely oh, a big season. question. But the Nets have a lot of questions. I mean, realistically, what what positions do you guys think they need to be addressed? Uh, obviously, a lot. Not it's not going to happen at all in one <laughs> off season for sure. But outside of right field and i guess catcher to an extent i think it feels like base, they, they, need, they need to get okay set. yeah they need to they lock, lock him up they right. need to lock up or extend uh josh bell no. but he would be an answer but they need to address a lot i feel like what do you guys think yeah so literally literally, <laughs> l- literally the entire infield and like it doesn't even stop there you need the center field and the left fielder and a shortstop 100 the nats don't have anything at shortstop you might need one of third base or second base. Um, the Nats could get a third baseman and move Keeboom to second. They might let both of them ride. But the Nats' like entire roster right now is let's see if they pan out, which is fine. They're not competing. But the problem is a lot of these guys aren't showing to be anything more than depth or like rotational guys. Yadiel Hernandez is nothing more than fourth outfielder. He could DH next year. There's a DH. His bat's fine. He's just absolutely atrocious and liability in left field. I don't think Lane Thomas is anything more than the fourth outfielder. I could be wrong about him. I just think looking at his numbers and looking at his advanced metrics, he's playing well above his means. So I think he is just a fourth outfielder. So you're going to need a center field left fielder. Absolutely, absolutely have to get a shortstop. They have nothing in the system to play shortstop. Like they just don't, they need to get it. Catcher, you're fine. First base, right field, you're fine. They probably should sign at least one veteran pitcher. Um, I think the rest of the rotation is fine. It's going to stink next year, but if you get one veteran building like guy to be in your rotation, it makes it a little bit better. Bullpen, I mean, just just pick a number out of a hat, and that's how many relievers you need. The bullpen isn't good. You at least need to get two arms in the back in the bullpen to help settle things down because you don't have a closer and you don't really have a setup man either, and that would help the bullpen big time. It's just a lot. Like this is the off season to address free agent um, your position players. It's deep. You can get one building block at shortstop and get a couple plug guys, you know, on one or two year deals and sell them off at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Guys like that would be the smart thing. And then get, like I said, one pitcher to like a two or three year deal. If you can worry about the pitching later, try to start building your position players. Cause 
it's not that deep right now. And there's a lot of holes. Yes. A lot of holes to fill. It's almost hard to know where to start. I think my top priority this off season would be there's great options at shortstop available in free agency, you know, maybe third base or shortstop. That would be my absolute. I want somebody I'm signing to a several year deal. So that position is taken care of and you can stop worrying about it. And then, um, you know, outfield you said center or left. I think you've got to at least get a decent option out there. But I love your, what you said, Ryan, about doing something similar to what they did this year, which was get a bunch of guys on one-year deals that you can flip at the deadline. And, you know, we're not likely to be competitive next year and another sell-off at the deadline that gets you a lot of nice prospects, especially the prospects like some of the ones we got who are major league ready, you know, set you up for the following year. And then you're going to have to, if you don't really address the pitching this upcoming year and you hope to be competitive the year after, you're, you're going to have to really spend a lot in free agency that following year on pitching because the bullpen is just atrocious right now. You really just, I mean, you almost need everything in the bullpen. And, you know, as far as the starting starters go, I have no idea what to expect from Strasburg at this point. No clue. I, I just, I don't know if, if you get a guy who's serviceable or you get a guy who's terrific, or you get a guy who's a total liability, like what Corbin's become and Corbin, you know, if he stays the way he is, I don't even think maybe next year you keep drawing him out there every fifth day because it doesn't matter. But after that, if you hope to compete, you can't have one of your starters be a guaranteed loss every, every fifth day. So that's, you know, that's one starter that you probably have to address Strasburg. You have no idea. He's a complete question mark. And then, you know, the other guys are young and you're not sure exactly what you have. So basically the whole starting rotation and the whole bullpen are, are in flux. And that's a tough place to be. I think Josiah Gray is really the only one in the rotation that you can kind of pencil in as that this is, this guy's legit mm-hmm. and Strauss could be anything. We really just don't know what he is anymore. Yeah. Like prior to his injury, you could have penciled in Joe Ross as a fourth or fifth starter, at least for next year, obviously, uh, you know, he would have been a free agent past that. So it, it's hard to pencil him in as in your future plans, but next year he would have been fine. But now we don't know because he has a partially torn UCL. So it really is Josiah Gray and and that's it fed is Fetty a free agent what is his contract situation i don't even know offhand uh i don't i don't think he is Fetty's like the perfect five yeah, yeah. and he's and he's fine i mean that's another one you can you can pretty much guarantee he's going to be there for you and he's going to be decent but i mean other i mean you've got so many holes to fill on this team that it even makes it hard to see, you know, we all keep saying, well, obviously they're going to try to compete again by 2023 because they don't want to lose the last years of guaranteed Soto's presence here, but it's a lot of holes to fill. It's hard to see even how one more rebuilding year is going to be enough to fill them. 2023 is optimistic. Like even that's optimistic. 2024 is. is likely, but when we talk about 2023, that is very optimistic. Yeah, like uh, for me, the, the way forward this offseason is to get one, hopefully two building blocks. And obviously that would mean one of the shortstops or infielders. Um, and then like my dream scenario is Chris Bryant and Marcus Semyon. I, I think that oh, that would just be awesome. Yes, please. Um, but it might be like Marcus Semyon. And then um, I'm trying to think of a like similar to like a Brad Hand deal right where it's like a one-year high aav you flip them at the deadline if you're not in it and then you get someone like riley adams in return like that that is a, such a good outcome for the nats even though the free agent addition 
didn't necessarily push them over the top. Like that, that is such a good outcome. So I think the way forward is to get one or two building blocks and then a bunch of flyers, like both of you ha- have said, but that way, even if you have to sell all your, um, you know, one year deals or expiring contracts, like at least you have building blocks, whereas you're not like this year, everyone we've gotten in return, we're hoping they pan out, but at least next year we would have those building blocks we acquired in the off season to, to, uh, fall back on and obviously you still would have Soto and presumably Josh Bell and maybe the catchers development and stuff like that so you would be in a better position in 2022 post deadline than you were 2021 post deadline is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say Betty, um, by the way is a UFA in 2025 how does that make sense uh, he says he's arbitration second year of arbitration next year I feel like Eric Fetty has been on this team for seven years me too. I just saw that. And I was like, how is it? Is it because he spent so much time bouncing in and out of the minors that it didn't like, when did his service time start? I don't know. I'd have to look into that more, but it feels like he's been around forever. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense, but all this, uh, you know, is stuff we're going to talk about in the off season. It's just kind of our observations now with one month left in the season. Um, but upcoming, we got five versus the Mets, like we mentioned, which is going to be, uh, Either very entertaining or very painful series to watch. Both uh, maybe both d- dumpster fire teams in different ways. Um, but five against the Mets in four days, I might add. Five in four days, and mm-hmm. then right after that, head to Atlanta. No days off. Head to Atlanta for three against the Braves. So, do you think they can play spoiler at all, or are we going to see more of the same with uh, these series against their division rivals? I don't think they're going to play spoiler. I think you're probably, I think they'll be lucky to take one against the Mets, maybe two since the Mets are bad, but the, the Nats seem to have the ability to crash and burn late in the game, no matter how well they've done up to that point. And I mm-hmm. think the Braves sweep them. Maybe they take one against the Braves. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to agree. Um, it's just like, it, it's the pitching. Like you pointed out earlier, if, we can't even get one to start like yesterday. Espino was probably the best Espino could be Went five and a third gave up two, but I think he was through five with no runs. And then Mason Thompson uh, allowed inherited runners to score, but yeah, Mason that, Thompson's that was the, been tough to watch. Yeah. But <laughs> that was wrong. the bet. That was the best you're going to get out of someone like Espino and we couldn't win. So really you have to hope for like a, a Josiah Gray masterclass and that's just like unfair to put on him. So it's like, right. where's our opportunity to win a game? Like before we had Max say, okay, Max is obviously our best shot to win. But now it's like, we don't have that, uh, you know, chance at, a, a mm-hmm. you know, seven, eight inning gem. So it's like, where, where does this team find wins? But yeah, like Corbin's pretty much a guaranteed loss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's... I know it's hard to say, but it's true right now. I mean, it's pretty much a guaranteed loss when he when he pitches. Yeah, Ryan, do you um, think they 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 steal any games, or is it just going to be a eight game sweep between uh, the Mets and Braves? So I just want to say stacks. I heard Amanda talk about how this team kind of just falls apart. Um, they finished the season six and thirteen versus Philly. Seven of those they led by three or more runs, and they lost. That's the <laughs> most. A team has ever done that versus one that's opponent in MLB hurtful. history. Um, I I don't know, man. This team this team reeks. Like I feel like they're good for like one win a series, like losing two to three or getting swept. Um, tonight it's Sean Nolan versus Rich Hill. Rich Hill isn't very good. I feel like 
a best case scenario. It scenario is two against the Mets, one against the Braves. I kind of feel like three wins is kind of optimistic. Um, I don't even think this team can play spoiler right now. I genuinely think right now the Nats are one of the three worst teams in baseball, which is fantastic. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. Three wins is optimistic. And I think two is lucky. Yeah. Three is optimistic. Two is lucky. That's pretty much covers it. <laughs> yeah. But you know what is lucky? What's that? Us having Manscaped in our lives. Oh, Today's funny. episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. It's back to school time, and we want to make sure you pack the essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped fourth generation performance package is just that. As schools open up and start and whatnot, be ready for whatever is in the daily schedule for you. It's the performance package for your package, and it includes the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Fellows, go for the valedictorian of ball trimming and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. By going to manscaped.com and using our promo code HSHH20, you will get 20% off and free shipping. 20% off your entire order, I might add, not just one item, not just like a, a you know, the full price times off your entire order order and the performance package is here to teach boys a lesson on male hygiene inside you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer like i said the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer the crop preserver which is the ball deodorant the crop reviver which is a toner very nice i might add plus two free gifts the performance boxer briefs and shed travel bag so uh, an amazing deal with the performance package on top of 20 percent off which is an even better deal, plus two free gifts. There's absolutely no reason not to do it. Go to manscaped.com, use our promo code HSHH20. You'll get yourself 20% off your entire order and free shipping. Absolutely no reason not to do it. All right, we're going to do something we've actually never done. It's not like a wildly unique concept. So excited. We're just going to play some Would You Rather. I I put some uh, Nat-specific ones in here. I put some MLB ones, but it, we're just going to get fun and wacky with it. You can approach these questions any way you want. I'm sure Amanda's going to have some takes as she always does uh, with her Homer isms coming out. Uh-huh. Uh, but let's get into it. See how, see how it rolls out. So the first question, would you rather trust Barrera or Riley Adams? Riley Adams. I don't think Barrera is more than a third catcher. Yeah, I'm with you. Riley Adams just, you know, I'd, I'd rather roll with somebody who's got a lot more upside than Barrera does. So definitely Adams. Yeah, I tend to agree. I wanted to start off uh, with an easy one, get you guys uh, acclimated, dip your toe in the water before we mm-hmm. dive into the deep end. Uh, the next one, would you rather, this is for 2022, I might add, would you rather key boom at third base or would you rather a free agent signing? <clears throat> oh, free Ooh. agent signing. Ooh. For sure. I'd rather they Do, go get you have one in mind. Um, well, I mean, Chris Bryant's the obvious one. Oh, yeah, that's true. Who's going to be available? I'd love that if they can make it happen. You know, everybody always talks about the fact that he's got the you know history with Davey, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if that winds up happening. It seems like the players who've played for Davey love him, but um, you know, Keeboom is one of those where maybe you could move him to second if you needed to, but I would not make any decisions. Like if Chris Bryant is available, you don't not get him because you have Keeboom. You know what I mean? Keeboom is like if if you don't have anybody else, you roll with Keeboom. But, well, especially Chris Bryant plays multiple positions too. Exactly. So if if exactly. Keboom did develop into like a solidified third baseman next year, you could move Bryant to left field or center field or something. 
Right. He, he gives you options, but yeah, absolutely free. If you can get a good free agent, who's a solid major league proven piece, that's a no brainer to me. Ryan, what about you? I'm torn. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to sign a third baseman, then move Kibum the second, but I'm going to say, keep Kibum a third. Cause I'd rather spend big on a shortstop than spend big on Chris Bryant. Like Chris Bryant is a luxury, not a necessity to this team right now. I, I don't know what's between a necessity and a luxury. Uh, a shortstop is a necessity. Like they yeah, agree. hundred percent agree. I'm just, uh, I don't think he's necessarily a luxury because this team could use some def- They This team needs someone like Chris Bryant, but it needs a shortstop above a third baseman slash left fielder. So I, I agree with you to an extent, but I wouldn't say he's got to like, think they're both necessities. A luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just go Correa and Bryant. And then, yeah. you know, we'll be fine. Sold. All right, let's get into it. These are some of the ones I'm excited to do. Would you rather Max Scherzer retires as a Nat or Zim gets his jersey retired as a national? Um, Zim is getting his jersey retired, so Mm -hmm. I'm going with Zim. I don't care where Max Scherzer retires. I don't want to see him back in D.C. because the Nats would give him like a three-year, $110 million contract, and that's going to piss me off. So I'm going Zim. All right, I'm going to go Zim too, but for slightly different reasoning. Um, I think, as you said, Zim is slightly different his, reasoning. <laughs> yeah, slightly different. Um, Zim is going to get his jersey retired. That's that's a done deal. There's no way that's not going to happen. And while if the deal were reasonable, I wouldn't hate it if Max came back. I don't want to. I also don't want to see three years and 110 million dollars or anything like that. But if Max says, "Hey, I wouldn't mind going back to DC and you know playing a year or two on a reasonable." deal he's still pitching at an extremely high level better than anybody we have so i, I think it would be stupid to say no if you can get him at a reasonable price um you know he's one of those people who i i think he seeing what he's doing now i think he's got another year or two in him so i would love to see him retire as a nat but it's it's not something i'd want to see them overspend to do especially not while we're in a rebuilding mode no nah, that's fair all right next one <laughs> would you the would you rather the Nats have signed Bryce Harper instead of Patrick Corbin or Steven Strasburg never gets injured post 2019? <laughs> That's easy. Um, yeah, this is really easy. Bryce instead of Corbin. I hate watching Corbin pitch every five <laughs> days because he's absolutely atrocious. Patrick Corbin sucks. Thank you for what you did in game seven for not being the worst contract in baseball. Well, sorry, second worst. Cause you know, who has the worst one right now? Um, Bryce instead of Corbin, Patrick Corbin absolutely sucks. I'm tired of watching him. Okay, fair enough. I get that. But the idea that you would rather not, you would rather have Steven Strasburg get injured than have to watch Corbin is insane to me. This is such an easy answer. I would rather. So what? If you would you rather have Corbin suck and Strasburg be healthy? Like I would would rather not have Corbin. You would rather not have Corbin, but still have Steven Strasburg injured. That's insane to me. But anyway, I would rather see Strasburg healthy post 2019. And have signed Corbin, which obviously he did pitch very well in the postseason in 2019. Now he's been a total liability since then. I hope he can find it again. But even if he doesn't, I'd rather have Strasburg healthy. I, I so I was surprised you found it so easy. But then again, once I heard your your hate for Corbin, I uh, yeah, it made sense to me. I think I lean Steven Strasburg in this situation. Uh, I obviously love Bryce Harper. The way I approach it is if you have Strasburg healthy, then his contract in theory is not an albatross. Uh, basically what I'm trying to say is Corbin's contract is a little easier to eat than 
Strasburg's would be. But I, I miss Bryce Harper dearly. But that's kind of the way I, I view it. All right. Would you rather Juan Soto signs elsewhere and then succeeds or Juan Soto resigns but underperforms? <laughs> um, signs elsewhere and succeeds. Yeah, I this team already has two massive pitching contracts that they aren't really living up to it. Um, We just debated the Strauss one. Well, actually, just both of them. Um, Look, I don't think as of today, Monso deserves four hundred million dollars. I will gladly talk about this. Um, But if that the Nats gave him like four hundred plus and he sucked, it would be devastating to this franchise. So him signing elsewhere and succeeding would be so much better. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I would hate, you know, obviously I don't want, I want Juan Soto to be a national for life and I want him to succeed. But if my choice was knowing that he's not going to perform well here, why in the world would we want to keep him? I mean, he's, he's great. I love his personality and I'd love for him to be successful, but if he's not going to be successful here, I don't want to pay him that money. That's crazy. That's fair. That is fair. All right, let's get into some MLB ones. And this next one is pretend neither of them have ever there's no history involved. You're just as is, right? Or let's say like the last five years and then going forward or whatever, however you want to do it. Basically, there's no history or pedigree there. Would you rather be the Rays or the Yankees? Yankees. Um, The Rays represent everything that's wrong with baseball and everything (laughs) that's wrong with capitalism. I would never want to be them. If I was, I would drastically change their whole output. But um, yeah, the Yankees. Yeah, I would definitely rather be the Yankees, just you know, knowing that you have a, a ownership that will spend whatever it takes. You know, you won't always be successful. It's true that you can't buy a World Series. You can buy the pieces that can win you a World Series, and it won't always work out because baseball's fickle and hard, and you know, things things happen through a season, things happen in a in a playoff series, you know, it just doesn't always work out. But I would much rather have the team that's always willing to spend the money to put a championship team on the field, to borrow a phrase than one that, you know, tries to do it the cheap way. That's fair. That is fair. All right. <laughs> I don't know how you guys are going to answer this next one. Would you rather be the Orioles or the Pirates? Um, so I'm the Pirates in my MLB The Show franchise, and I turn them <laughs> around to a wagon. But as of right now, I'd probably say the Orioles, just because the Orioles farm system is really stupid good. Mm-hmm. And the Orioles are, like, just letting them all sit down there for some reason. But – they have a lot of good talent in that farm system. The Pirates farm system like isn't, I mean, it's pretty good. It's top 10, but the Orioles have the best farm system. So I would go with the Orioles. Yeah, I would go with the Orioles as well. I think they're poised for big things um, in the future. And the Pirates, I just, I know you said they have a top 10 farm system, but there's just something about the Pirates that never makes you think they're going to compete. They just don't seem to have uh, their front office, their ownership, whatever it is. They just don't. And the Orioles do. Well, no, not really, but I just feel like they, they have, and I guess, I guess we're supposed to throw out the history here on these questions, but you know, they're, they're a franchise that has a really storied history and a lot of, of good in the past. And I feel like they could be that again. And I don't know, for some reason, the pirates just don't really give me that vibe. It's funny because everyone talks about all the players, the Marlins traded away, but no one talks about all of the players, the pirates traded away. That's true. Pirates are trade away some pretty good Shout players. Out Chris Archer. Shout mm-hmm. out Chris Archer. Glass now, the name of you. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Well, they, they traded Glass now and Osmedos and Shane Baz, who's like a top 
20 prospect in baseball now for Chris Archer, who isn't, isn't even on the team. Anymore. Who went back to the race. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big oof. Big oof. Um, yeah. Tough. Tough. All right. Last question we have. Would you rather have one elite year? We're talking, you know, award-winning year. Or would you ha- rather have five average to above average years? So one elite for sure. Ooh, disagree. The question is basically, would you rather be Cody Bellinger or like, I don't know, Howie Kendrick? See, I was trying, I was trying, yeah, I was trying to think of players, but I couldn't come up with like the one average to above average. Like Cody Bellinger had his MVP season where everyone's like, holy crap, this guy's unreal. Now he's a meth addict. He's not, but like, (laughs) look at the guy. Um, He's a meth addict. Always look high. (laughs) Always. And he's a platoon guy. Like his, his WRC plus is 50. Like, Jacob DeGroms is 110. Um, I would take the five average above average years because if you keep being average or above average, you're constantly going to play. And I would take Cody Bellinger in a heartbeat in DC, but he doesn't play right now. He kind of sucks. Yeah, but are we talking about are we talking about players or are we talking about a team? Because sure, I, for players, I'd agree with you. I'd rather have an above average guy for five years than a one guy who had an elite year and then sucks. But I mean, I was, as I was a team, I'd as... rather win the World Series and then not be good for a few years, as we're experiencing now, than just have five above average <laughs> years where you don't really do anything. Yeah, I was viewing it as who would you rather be? Would you rather be the player uh, that has one elite year or would you rather be the solid player, but never like uh, an MVP candidate or like necessarily a cornerstone? I mean, I, I think Howie Kendrick is a pretty good comp. Um, you know, it, it just like, would you rather be like a Josh Bell or a Cody Bellinger? Well, I'll tell you, if I were going to be, if I were the player, if it were a contract year and I could secure the bag with my one elite year and then suck afterwards, that would be fine. <laughs> well, see, like if you're like rather Josh Bell or Cody Bellinger, I would say Bellinger because he plays for the Dodgers. Like I that's the reason like, why. No, like were, I I know what you if mean, you were a ball like, player, yeah, yeah. No, I would I would take the five average above average over one elite year. I think that's fine. Uh, man, yeah, because I don't want to be a one hit wonder. I don't want to be those like uh, look back or the footnote in history where it's like, how the hell did that guy win? You know, an MVP. That, that and yeah, you have the MVP to hang your hat on, but it's almost like imposter syndrome if you suck. Uh, whereas five average to above average, you can be like, yeah, I could play a little bit. It wasn't just a a mirage; like I was solid. So I think I agree. I'll take yeah. Like when you when you're working average. the enterprise, you're gonna have your MVP award, but <laughs> bagging groceries like <laughs> hey, nothing wrong nice with honest day's work with okay, your MVP trophy. <laughs> Just I just take it with me so everybody knew. I'd be like, this year, hi. Would you like paper or plastic? Here, did you see my MVP trophy? Well, it's like it's the have you seen the meme where like the grandma's walking and her granddaughter's with her and she like says something and the granddaughter's like, okay, grandma, let's get you going. Like oh yeah, that's yeah. gonna that's gonna be Cody Bellinger in 10 years telling people he won it. He's like, oh, I was an MVP. <laughs> we used to be kings. Oh, exactly. Oh, man. Oh. Well, that does it for would you rather and that doesn't much for the show but as we end all of our shows we're gonna finish up with our one big thing you guys got anything before we go oh i do i have one which is oh god don't drink and drive this thing with the mets gm is so infuriating to me i it was never okay to drink and drive obviously it's always been a stupid and selfish and horrible decision but we live in 2021 there is uber 
there's this guy's richer than Croesus here. He could call for a cab. He could have somebody come pick him up. He's probably got his own driver. Like the idea that you would make such a stupid and unbelievably selfish decision is unbelievable to me. And uh, I have just no patience at all for anybody who drinks and drives. You're taking not only your own life, but everybody's lives around you into your own hands and you're an asshole. So best part of the story is he left Steve Cohen's house (laughs) who's worth $12 billion and he didn't even call him an Uber. probably could have called an Uber. (laughs) Or like have someone do it. Um, Or just stayed at his house. Right. Or any of those (laughs) things. Or no matter how much money you have or don't have, like figure out something else. Don't drink and drive, you idiots. I guarantee you Steve Cohen has like 15 extra bedrooms somewhere. Right. Um, I full... Excuse me. I fully expected Amanda to talk about um, hockey players back in the Olympics. I, that's yeah, I, thought, I thought about I it. I thought about it. Yes, I had my money on that, and man, I just lost. I was really looking forward to seeing Ovi play for definitely not Russia. <laughs> like that would happen. His All right, Ryan, friend. you got anything? Um, I'm going to the game tonight. I'm excited. I'm going to get my nachos. And yeah, the Nats suck, but uh, doesn't mean I can't go to the game for cheap. Tanking's great, guys. <laughs> and the weather's nice. The weather's fantastic. Life's good. Life is good as far as weather goes, <laughs> unless you're in New York. Oh yeah, no. Every everything else about life sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it is 73 degrees outside. I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have anything. I am and still enjoying pressure-free baseball, and I'm going to continue to enjoy pressure-free baseball. But to circle back to something I mentioned earlier, I am definitely going to watch some of these playoff implication series uh because now that we're in september it's pretty much treated like a playoff series anyways because there's so much on the line like dodgers uh giants this weekend the dodgers just took first place back from the giants so it's like can the giants you know regain first place or are they just gonna completely fall apart who knows obviously the dodgers are a wagon but pretty excited to see that and and a couple other ones going on and i guess i'll I'll tune into the nats and mets some and, and watch the dumpster fire that is both those organizations right now but yep the entertainment value is high yes this is true this is true pressure free baseball baby all right that does it for our show like i said go check out half all the latest articles coming out not just about the nats but around baseball as well I'll pretty much have something daily for you so definitely worth the watch or view or click or something click yeah whatever uh, gets your eyes to our website go do that and follow us on twitter at half street high heat for the main account myself at nationals ace amanda at a white 7877 and ryan at we are all shack thank you for listening we will catch you guys on monday in the meantime let's go naps there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the potomac a new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents the nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later
light at dawn Well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching Are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress That they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's In every book Let's go Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.